gosh, the snow is coming down. Old gray barn cat. Oh. Well, the horses are fed and we are underway with Ted McKay. Welcome everybody to the uh, Rock and Star Ranch here in Cowboy Gasoline Studio. John Graves Kayak Fishing. I really appreciate you uh, uh, listening to the podcast. I really enjoy doing these. I hope that you enjoy the Cover to Cover Bassmaster Magazine uh, podcast. I'm actually learning a lot by reading this magazine. I mean, imagine that. You know, you read something, you learn something. Uh, but I don't always have the time. I'm, I'm one of those people who's always busy with my hands. I'm always doing something. I love to just hang outside, and I'm, I'm not uh, often uh, um, forcing myself to just sit down and read an article or two out of a magazine. So I know that I've been missing out a whole lot. However, the podcast makes a lot of sense to me. And actually what, for me personally, I'll read the articles and then I listen to them a couple times uh, just to make sure they sound okay and uh, I'm not messing anything up too badly uh, as I want them to uh, sound fluid and enjoyable for you guys. But as I'm doing the stalls, as I'm out working with the horses, as I'm out driving around, uh, that's when I can listen to these. And I'm actually learning, uh, again, a lot about uh, bass fishing, some uh, tips and techniques from these Elite Series pros. So it's been a lot of fun to listen uh, and to watch and to immerse myself into things like Bassmasters, the Elite Pros, the FLWs, and all of that stuff as a kayak bass fisherman uh, because... Uh, you, you cannot not learn enough about fishing, that's for sure. So coming to you right now, part three, Bassmaster Magazine, January, February 2021. This is going to be a great year for all of us Bassmasters, the worldwide authority in bass fishing. Clark Winlet's Angler of the Year Journey. This article is written by Steve Price, senior writer. Throughout the most unconventional Elite Series season in history, this Texas pro proved that consistency, work ethic, and a fierce determination can make dreams come true. Like a climber slowly making his way up a steep, icy ridge toward the summit of Mount Everest, a journey that can take several months Clark Winlet's climb to the pinnacle of American bass fishing, the 2020 Toyota Bassmaster Angler of the Year title, has also been a long one. 28 years to be exact. It's been that long since the Texas pro entered his first Bass Angler Sportsman Society event, the 1992 New York Invitational on the St. Lawrence River. The larger fish were in Lake Ontario, and the big water was rough that year, but Winlet, then just 26, farther from home than he had ever been in his life, headed into the waves anyway. Seasoned veterans like Shaw Grigsby and Larry Nixon turned around and stayed in St. Lawrence, but Winley kept going, eventually finishing ninth in that event. Had anyone really noticed the young angler, what they would have seen was a fierce competitiveness, an absolute determination to succeed in this most unforgiving of sports. That has not changed one bit throughout his long career. If you approach him at any tournament today and ask any question about what's happening in the world, he won't know. The only thing he is thinking about is how he's going to catch his next bass 
loves back-to-back events because it puts him deeper into that mindset for a longer period of time. On the third day of this season, Toyota Bassmaster Texas Fest on Lake Fork, Winlet literally willed himself to catch the four little fish weighing just seven pounds, four ounces, that secured his Angler of the Year crown. And he did it after leaving the spot he'd been fishing the two previous days. One of the hardest decisions any fisherman has to make. He thinks the determination to succeed came from his mother, Shirley, who exhibits the same competitiveness. We used to have ping pong matches, particularly at my grandmother's home, and they were hard, intense, knockdown, drag out games, says Winlet. Mom may have gotten her intensity from her mother, who often played too. I want to win. First is the place I want to be, not second. I remember when I was 10 or maybe 12 going fishing on a ranch where a family liked to hunt. The lake was probably two miles from where they parked. So I walked all the way to it. I caught several bass that day. And one of them weighed seven pounds. I carried that bass along with my rod and tackle all the way back to the car because I was determined to show it to my parents. Wendlandt fished a lot as a youngster because his father enjoyed fishing, particularly on Lake Travis, but his father preferred throwing a couple of crankbaits off the back of their boat and trolling them along the shoreline. It wasn't until a high school friend who was a good fisherman who owned a real bass boat took him fishing one day that Winlet realized the full potential of how different casting presentations and techniques could truly take a lot of pure luck out of fishing and especially out of trolling. My friend was skipping lures under boat docks and he caught seven or eight bass and of course I didn't catch anything because I was just learning, says Winlet. But it really made me want to learn how to do it. From there, I started fishing low-level local tournaments just trying to learn the basics. I became familiar with the names of some of the top professional fishermen of the time, anglers like Bill Dance and Rick Clune, Jimmy Houston and Roland Martin they became my heroes. My favorite television show was The Bassmasters and that was directed and narrated by Bob Cobb. I became absolutely intrigued with professional bass fishing and I know all of these types of experiences molded me as a young man. By the time he entered Texas A&M University in 1984, His dream was to become a professional bass tournament angler. To support that goal, he started his own guide service on a newly opened Gibbons Creek Reservoir only 20 minutes from campus in College Station. He started fishing small regional tournaments and with a couple of his friends also entered local team events. He graduated in 1989 with a degree in wildlife and fisheries science, but remained in College Station with his new wife, Patty, while she finished her law degree. In the fall of 1991, he won a regional tournament that qualified him to fish in the Redman All-American the following summer on the Arkansas River in Muskogee, Oklahoma. And at that time, 
The All-American was considered one of the premier tournaments in the country because it paid a whopping $100,000 to the winner. The Red Man Circuit, run by an organization named Operation Bass, that would later become the FLW, was one of the few springboards into the full-time pro ranks. And Winlet won it. From that point on, I started fishing full-time, beginning with the Bassmaster Invitational on the St. Lawrence. And in 1997, I also started fishing the FLW Tour events. The scheduling was such that quite a few of us were able to fish both circuits. That first year, I won Angler of the Year title in the FLW, but I was still so young, I honestly did not know the significance of it. A Winland won the FLW Angler of the Year a second time in the year 2000, catching the eye of the Kellogg Cereal Company, which began to sponsor him. That first year, Winland's picture adorned boxes of both cornflakes and mini wheats. Fans still bring him the old cereal boxes to autograph. Well, that sponsorship, however, which featured and still uses the famous children's cartoon character Tony the Tiger, did not match up well with a new Bass Angler Sportsman Society rule requiring all competitors to have bush beer. One of its sponsors decals on their boats and wear bush patches on their fishing jerseys. Winlet and a number of the other anglers left Bass Angler Sportsman Society and began concentrating solely on FLW events. He stayed with FLW for 21 years, winning another Angler of the Year title with that circuit in the year 2009 and qualifying for an amazing 19 Forest Wood Cups. Along the way, he also won four FLW Tour events, and in 2019, he came back to Bass Angler Sportsman Society to fish the Elite Series, where he plans to finish his career, although not anytime soon. Reflecting on his career, but more specifically on the 2020 season, Winlet says you always want to win Angler of the Year. To me, this Angler of the Year title is the biggest accomplishment I've had, and I'm really, really thankful to be able to do what I do. I'm very proud of this award from Bass Angler Sportsman Society, but I also feel very humbled This past season, of course, the challenges went far beyond what actually happened on the water. I started with a 16th on the St. John's River in February, but then Bass was forced to stop the season because of the COVID-19 epidemic. We did not know if we were going to have any more tournaments, and I salute Bass for working as hard as they did to give us a full season of nine events. Winland spent the next four months fishing on his own, spending four, five, even six days each week on lakes around his home, but especially on Lake Travis. 
not far from his home. He also spent time on Chokey Canyon and Fayette County Lakes. I fished quite differently. It was fun, relaxed fishing, he says with a smile, but at the same time, it forced him to constantly keep trying to figure out how he was going to catch his next bass, just like he would in a real tournament. He believes he learns something every time he goes fishing. When the tournament season finally reopened at Lake Eufaula in June, Winlet finished eighth, a strange, almost surreal experience because there were no spectators. In fact, there were hardly any spectators at any of the next seven events because of the pandemic. Nonetheless, Winlet continued to fish as hard and determinedly as he could, collecting another eighth place finish on the St. Lawrence River in July. The venue had been changed to Clayton, the site of his first Bass Angler Sportsman Society tournament so many years earlier. So naturally, he headed straight out into Ontario. Many anglers don't like water that big and so potentially dangerous, but Winlet calls it one of his favorite places to fish. That's when he took the lead in 2020 Angler of the Year race. It was the first time he had seriously thought about his own chances to win it. He had a slight hiccup at Lake Champlain the following week where he finished 46th. Normally, largemouth play a bigger role in final standings up there, so that's what I concentrated on, he notes. Smallmouth will let you place, but largemouth will let you win. But I just did not find any really good largemouth. That's where I lost the Angler of the Year lead. I wasn't too concerned because I had only had the lead a week. We had a two-week break before St. Clair tournament, and because it was 107 degrees down in Texas then, Patty and I drove back to Lake Ontario and spent the time fishing up there. Winlet felt confident heading into St. Clair primarily because he absolutely loves catching smallmouth. In 2019, he finished third in the elite event there, and this year he finished fourth his third top 10 of the season. He finished 21st a month later at Gunnersville and then 17th at the Sandy Cooper Lakes, giving him a 37-point lead in the Angler of the Year race. All he had to do for the final two events at Chickamauga and Lake Fork was really just play it safe, fishing defensively to protect his lead. Not him. Chickamauga is nationally known as a big bass lake. So that's how Winlet fished. It didn't work at all. And Winlet acknowledges now that he should have abandoned the big fish chase after the first day of practice and just concentrated on keepers. He caught one four-pound bass the first day and nothing the second finishing 81st. He may have gone into Chickamauga with a 37-point lead, but he came out 16 points behind, now with two anglers ahead of him. The Elite Series then headed to Lake Fork, 
an impoundment Winlet does not particularly like, and he camped out for two days in the back of a creek. Finally, at last, just maybe he was playing it safe because now things were pretty much out of his control. He caught five bass weighing 16-11 the first day, then added another 14-6 the second day that put him in 19th place. The good part was that both anglers in front of me did not make the top 40 cut. So now my fate was back into my own hands, says Wendelin. All I had to do was catch enough bass to stay above 31st place. The bad part was that I'd use up my fish in that creek. At some point the next day, I was going to have to change water. He caught one little bass in the creek, but nothing more. And he did have to change water. Both a marshal and a cameraman sat in the boat with him as he cranked up to leave. But the 15 mile run up the lake to his next fishing area, he says, was the loneliest boat ride he's ever made. I didn't know if I was going to catch another fish, Winlet recalls. I like the struggles we sometimes have to go through to catch bass, but not this time. It was the most stressful day I've ever had on the water. By the time he had to return to the weigh-in, he'd managed to catch three more small bass, none of which weighed more than two pounds. His total for the day was four bass weighing seven pounds and four ounces. The impossible journey had ended almost nine months to the day after it had started. Like the mountaineer climbing to the world's highest summit, Winlet had reached the summit of the fishing world. Lawrence has entered the realm of live sonar technology, and Bassmaster Magazine is the first to bring you the details of the new product, as well as the reactions from the Elite Series pros. This is Active Target, the exclusive first look by James Hall, Editor-in-Chief. Holy Mother were the first words out of Jamie Hartman's mouth when he arrived back to the dock. The two-time Elite Series champion had just spent two hours on a boat equipped with the yet-to-be-released Active Target technology by Lowrance. This is so good, it will change how I fish. I know similarly technology is out there, but I haven't spent one second playing with it. After working with the active target for a half of a morning, I will spend the entire off-season trying to master it, Hartman said. The similar technology Hartman mentioned is the Garmin LiveScope, which has made huge waves in the bass fishing tournament scene. LiveScope, like active target, gives anglers a real-time view of the activity under the water. While traditional sonar images are like time-lapse photos instantly meshed together, this tech is live television. 
2019 Elite Series Angler of the Year, Scott Canterbury, like Hartman, was on the hand for the sneak peek. And also like Hartman, he can't wait to get active target on his boat. I have a buddy who used this tech for a while, and I have seen firsthand how it gives you the ability to catch more fish. So that benefit is a given. That said, I believe active target will make me a whole lot more efficient. Fewer wasted casts mean more casts with purpose that turn into more bites. That's what I'm most excited about. Well, the tech explained. So what exactly is active target? Well, the product itself is a transducer on steroids, powered by a little black box, seemingly full of magical elves and fairy dust. The transducer and box full of mythical creatures plug into Lawrence's HDS Live and Elite FS displays. The result of this plug-and-play combination is where the real magic happens. The active target live sonar views show high resolution images of fish movements in real time and in great detail. Anglers can watch their bait track through the water in real time, watch how fish react in real time, and then in real time make adjustments to catch a specific fish based on its personality at that moment. Lawrence offers three viewing options with active target, forward, down, or on scout mode. Forward and down mode are pretty self-explanatory. They will show the underwater goings on in the mentioned direction. Scout mode delivers an ultra-wide overhead view of structure and fish activity in front of the boat. See it, catch it. If Hartman learned one thing while employing active target for the first time, it was that if bass are not present, you will not catch them. That sounds like an elementary concept, but think about how many casts we make to areas where there are no fish. We base our cast on predictions, right? We consider water temp, cover, time of the year, etc., to put together a pattern and position ourselves to cast to areas where bass are likely to be where we hope they are. However, that doesn't mean they are there. A traditional sonar, downscan and side scan technology, as incredible as it is, still gives you a recent history of fish location, says Hartman. Active target puts anglers in the now. We will be able to hunt specific fish, watch where they reposition, and make accurate casts to get bit. And even more importantly, we will be able to identify dead water. No more wasted cast. That's a big deal. Although blind casting will not be eliminated from his repertoire, Hartman believes that certain times of the year in fishing specific types of structure will be greatly enhanced with active target. Think about how this will change bed fishing. You can work a fish from much further away, see where it sets up on the bed without ever actually having to set eyes on the bass. Think about 
ledge fishing. You will be able to chase a school of fish up and down a drop, identify the feeders and cast to the perfect depth range without random fan casting. Hartman also mentioned suspending fish, dock fish, and probing points without making a cast. I love to hunt almost as much as I love to fish, Hartman admits. Active target is going to marry those passions. I'll be able to pursue that giant I find lounging around a piling, learn its behavior, and play a chess match with my bait selection until I get it to eat. Efficiency magnified. Catching individual fish that you otherwise may have bypassed is a major benefit of active target, but not the one Canterbury is most excited about. This technology is going to improve my efficiency tenfold. The Alabama Pro predicts, I mean, just think about it. When I detect a brush pile in front of the boat, I know not only that is exactly 42 feet away, but I also see how many fish are on it and where exactly they are positioned. In the old days, I'd start fishing the perimeter of the brush pile, hitting it from all angles, then make cast at the thickest part using multiple baits. Canterbury said he has spent over an hour probing a single brush pile if his gut told him fish were there. Now his gut has nothing to do with it. I point that cone and see there are two fish on the left side of the brush, one suspended in the branches, one on the bottom. I can cast a topwater bait over the suspending fish and see how it reacts. I can pitch a jig to the bottom fish if I catch them, great. If they refuse to react, I move on. And knowing when to move on is just as important as knowing when to stay. Watching how fish react is one way this technology will improve Canterbury's efficiency, but he also amped about what active target will teach him about his baits. Up until now, you think you know, for example, how deep a crankbait is diving. With this technology, I'll be able to know precisely how deep a lure is getting an 8-pound line, a 10-pound line, mono versus flora. Canterbury believes there's a whole lot to learn about what he has learned over the years, and he's excited about getting to the classroom.